to welcome you to another edition of Being Well Informed. We are thrilled to have as our very special guest on this fine afternoon, the Reverend Canon Randy Callender. Hello, hello, hello. How are you? Great, great. Thank you, Judge Barbara, for inviting me on your podcast to talk about a topic that most people are afraid to discuss. <laughs> so. Oh, we're not shying away from the topic of reparations, most yeah. definitely. It's more of a hot topic. And so that makes it all the more exciting to uh, venture into it. Uh, it seems to be getting some discussion as well in terms of forming of committees in mm -hmm. the state of Maryland. Mm -hmm. And I am thrilled to have you at this very moment to talk to uh, my audience today uh, about the whole topic of reparations and specifically reparation grants in Maryland. Tell us about yourself and your involvement with reparation grants. Uh, well, I'll step back just a little. So I was serving as the rector at St. Philip's Church in Annapolis, Maryland, and uh, the members there at the church we have been engaged talking about reparations, reconciliations. And, and one of my big message I always would push is that I would tell people, don't just tell me that you love me, show me that you love me. And so reparations is a part of that way of showing. It's a way where we're discussing about relationships and creating a bridge that is strong enough for all of us to cross over. And so now, uh, just past Monday, would mark three weeks, I have been called as the canon for mission in the Diocese of Maryland, where I get to do more work with the reparations committee uh, that I have been serving on for a while now uh, in the Diocese of Maryland. So just to share a little bit of history of that, um, we all know there's a long history of discrimination mm -hmm. that has an uh, economic impact on Black people and have made it extremely difficult uh, for the population to achieve wealth. Uh, the history goes all the way back in the Episcopal Church, where in 1952, the, the church passed a resolution stating that the church must consistently oppose and combat, combat uh, discrimination in the okay. church. Mm -hmm. And then uh, you can go past that from 1952 to even leading up to where we are today. We're back in uh, 2019, our uh, bishop, Bishop Eugene Sutton, uh, he wrote a letter, a pastoral letter intended for the whole diocese, uh, the Episcopal Church in Maryland, uh, to outline this vision of becoming the beloved community. We talk about becoming this beloved community. And in that letter, he talked about we have to repair what is broken. Mm. And he talked about this monetary, uh, monetary compensation that we have to give back. So he talked about an act of, of reparation. And when you think about this, you know, the the Diocese of Maryland is, you know, the, is the Episcopal Church is a predominantly white church. So when you having this conversation about reparations, how will people respond? You yeah. Know? What is the response? Well, the funny thing, well, not funny, but very excited is that in 2020, a year after uh, this letter went out from our beloved uh, bishop, uh, unanimously, it was passed that everyone would say we started with a seed money of a million dollars. A million dollars. We started, and that's just the beginning, the seed okay. money of a million dollars. So you have um, all these uh, delegates and lay leaders and clergy all coming together saying, this is important to us. You know, reparations is important because it's not about just money, but it's repairing the relationship. Uh, this is a way of showing 
our beloved siblings how much we love them, not just tell them we love them, but how much we love them. And so we've been having this conversation for a while now in the Diocese of Maryland. And as I said, from that, a task force was formed. Um, and out of the task force, we had this reparation committee that I was from the beginning serving on where we were looking at ways of how will we distribute this money uh, to the black community in, in Maryland, in the state of Maryland. Right. So this is about distribution of money to certain nonprofits or individuals, or how does that work? Well, it's it's nonprofits. Uh, you have organizations that are, and we have some uh, stipulations around that, making sure that if you uh, receive this money, it's going to support the Black community. We have five pillars that we talk mm -hmm. about that the money has to go towards. The money has to address educational uh, disparities. So okay. we provide funding for programs that enhance educational opportunities. Uh, we talk about improving health care and elder care as well uh, to allocate resources towards, as I said, health care. Uh, we talk about promoting affordable housing to support initiatives that increase access to safe, affordable housing options and addressing uh, the houses and communities of colors. Uh, we talk about uh, environmental uh, degradation as well to fund projects of environmental sustainability, um, um, mitigating impact of environmental uh, degradation in marginalized communities. And then the fifth one is fostering job creation and microeconomic investment. We talk about that to invest programs again uh, to develop within communities of color. So we believe that by focusing on these five pillars, we can address critical needs and, 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 and contribute to the long-term well-being of the communities we serve. So You're on a roll, my goodness. So it's, you know, but a lot of folks, when you, they hear the term reparations, they often associate that with individual repayment or individual funding of people who have been damaged, harmed, descendants of those who have been, um, have experienced injustice. Mm -hmm. So how does that kind of work with this this whole concept of reparation grants? So the grant, as I said, is for organizations not going out to individuals. Uh, that's a, another discussion that I'm pushing for when you talk about HR 40, which we all are familiar with. Um, but when we're pushing for individuals that I always tell people when it comes to reparations, if we're just jumping on individuals, uh, would I be able to receive money personally? And the reason why I share that is because my family is from the island of Barbados. And so then people start fighting and say, well, is it just people who were family roots were born in this country or so forth? But this question comes up. Yeah. And people are arguing and fighting over who as an individual will get that money. And I and I always tell people that my passion and, and fight around reparations is not about me uh individually is about a community as a whole. And so when we do this work and addressing, as I said, education, when we're addressing, helping these organizations to support our young people and our and our uh, singers and people who really need those funds, it can help across the board and not just individuals. Because the individual part, yes, maybe our country needs to really do more research and education and, and explore that even more. But however, with the Diocese of Maryland, we look at how can we use these programs to support organizations, to support the community as a whole? Because when you support a community as a whole, you can start moving people towards when we talk about generational wealth. So you mentioned H.R. 40. Tell us about that. 
Well, I, I'm not the expert around HR 40, but I know HR 40 uh, is a bill to establish the commission of to study and develop reparation uh, proposals for African Americans, and so mm -hmm. that commission, I believe says that you're supposed to examine slavery and discrimination in mm -hmm. the colonies of the United States, I think around the 1692, uh, 1619 uh, to the uh, present and, and look at different ways of, of looking at that form of reparation. I think with that, they're identifying the federal and state government and supporting the institution of slavery and, and really apologizing. Now, I know the Senate, I believe, did apologize back in, was it 20, 2009 or 2008? apologize for slavery, but now it's time for to make amends. And that's what HR 40 is to make sure that those amends are happening. So I know there are a few people who have been pushing that for a while to look at HR 40, which, you know, I can say that helped me to explore more into reparations in the Diocese of Maryland, but that's totally different than uh than what we are, are focusing on. I, I, I believe, and again, not an expert, that I believe HR 40 is trying to address individuals to make sure that individuals get money, uh, African-Americans to really get money uh, from the government as they amend for the pain and, and that they have done to people of color in this country. Well, this whole conversation behind reparations often starts with the harm done. Well, it doesn't always start there, but that's one of the focuses the harm done, the impact, you know, in terms of impact on generational wealth, impact on uh, uh, the, the fact that uh, uh, some families, if they were uprooted out of a community because of a massacre or something to that effect, and because of mob lynching, uh, in that scenario, those people had to regroup and move away from an area that they they should not have been required to move away from mm -hmm. and start their life all over again yeah. and and lose all of what they had behind, including their real estate if they owned it, mm -hmm. and uh, just go into a different direction and different scenario because of the of the injustices. So oftentimes the discussion comes up, you know, does reparations start with uh, the individual? Or the or the the uh, the even the nonprofits that are are largely focused on uh, these um, uh, these injustices, you know, because we've had the Tulsa massacre, we've had the Wilmington massacre, and we've had the whole system of convict leasing. Mm -hmm. And when you speak of convict leasing and how that impacted families, you know, these are important uh, history, historic things that happen. Even when you talk about Brown versus the Board of Education and the lack of integration in the public school system, even when you look at the movie Hidden Figures wow. and how the government sat there and endorsed segregated facilities on, on, at the, on the dime of the taxpayer at that time and shutting out practicing exclusion, shutting out um, uh, qualified individuals based on race. And they were, you know, they had difficulty uh, uh, moving ahead opportunity wise in the system until it changed. So, you know, you have change makers out there uh, uh, that are deceased now, that have been assassinated, that have been killed, 
uh, and their fa- and their and that's impacted their family, but it's also impacted uh, society and how uh, change has has been implemented. And we're still talking about change even after George Floyd's death. You can't even get it. So there's just so much that's packed into this whole concept of reparations uh, that um, your your grant sounds to be sounds like it's an excellent start. What are and and that's and I'm glad you just said that a great start because we have ways to go uh, with this uh, work around reparations. I mean, you talked about the history. You can just drive around anywhere in Virginia and Maryland and you're driving on land that were plantation sites. And you talk Mm -hmm. about this form of moving people around from different places. And what I love about the grant is that the grant is a commitment to infuse those resources into programs that actively contribute to rebuilding, rebuilding and the empowerment of the Black community. So you're right. It's not given to individuals, but it's rebuilding and empowering the Black community to make sure that we get a a head start a little bit, a little push right now. So we recognize the deep-seated impact of systemic racism in Maryland. We realize it in the United States, but we are dedicated to supporting the initiatives that help us to repair the breach, as you said, caused by these injustices. And these programs have to live into that, to repair that breach and allow uh, people of color, uh, the Black community, to really continue to not survive, but thrive as we use these funds to help them. So our main objective as a as a committee and with this grant, it's not to benefit the Episcopal Church, as I said. It's, mm-hmm. it's to help repair the lack of resources in our communities. And this is a way of a, a start. You know, what you shared and what I've heard from many people all around the country, it, we have ways to go. And if we don't start somewhere, then we'll never get anywhere. So we got to, this is a good start. And that's why I'm so excited and happy to be a part of the Diocese of Maryland that's pushing to make sure that this conversation stay up front and mm-hmm. that we continue to put funds mm-hmm. in to move forward. And there are other dioceses in the Episcopal Church that are looking to have these conversations as well. Well, I, I appreciate it. And I, there's this, this, there's this thunderous applause that I feel is, is necessary to bring this issue to the forefront, uh, to let people know that there is a way, there is an idea, there is a thought that's being implemented here in a, in a, in a, in a way that's a positive way. Uh, because it, this is the EpiscopalMaryland.org slash reparations dash grants. Mm -hmm. That's the um, website that's or link that's being uh, that's being shown across the screen. And it is the location where one can apply for grants if they meet the objectives of this grant, which is just so powerful. Yep. And February 15 is the deadline. <laughs> so. February, oh, February 15, 2024 <laughs> yes, yes. is the deadline. Yes. And I'm I'm thrilled that your congregation, your uh, your Episcopal diocese, diocese, if I have this correct, yep. Yep. Diocese planted seed money of $1 million to yes. start this. To start, yes. Just to start this initiative and thrilled uh, to, to learn of it. And uh, hoping that it is it's going to be impactful. So, how do you uh, describe though this reparations grant that's different from other grant opportunities? 
Oh, uh, well, because it's reparations is, and it goes particularly for our uh, black community. And as I said, following those five pillars, those five pillars are probably where you have to be in those areas where some of the other grants may not have those different pillars. Also, it's a, a grant uh, where out of love, where we're seeing uh, some forms of transformation. One of the uh, recipients of the grant had the opportunity of going to their graduation uh, is a pivot program uh, in Baltimore. And it's with our returning citizens, uh, women who are coming home um, from prison. And the program actually helped these women to find jobs and to really empower them to transform their lives. And going to that graduation and hearing the stories of these women who, you know, didn't have anyone to support them, didn't have uh, these resources for them to get ahead. And that this program pivot is there saying, we love you. We're going to wrap our arms around you. And in order for them to do that, they reached out, applied for the grant, received funds from the grant, and now they're continuing to move forward. And there were, uh, um, I think about 12 or 14 women who graduated from this program. And I could be there to say, look, what this grant can do can make a difference, not only, and as I said, individual lives, but a community of women who have been transformed out of it. So this grant for me is a way of practicing what we preach as the Episcopal yeah. yeah. Church. Most this definitely. Grant, yep, this grant is a way of, as I said earlier, not just telling people, oh, I love you, showing the community how much we love them. This grant is an opportunity for us to see true change and 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 not only in our state but hopefully in our country that we mm -hmm. can start having more conversations around this Th this is a way for all of us to recognize that and i have to say that that this journey towards reparation is not easy it is not easy at all and i'm someone people have heard me say this over and over again i'm comfortable feeling uncomfortable and i'm okay. comfortable making other people feel uncomfortable and so sometimes you got to feel uncomfortable when you're having these conversations in order to get that connection to move forward well you mentioned the pivot program and the, the you know you cannot um overlook, though, the fact that there's this huge disparity issue when it comes to incarceration in Maryland. Yep. And that goes to an important injustice. Mm -hmm. That go that hits the center of the issue yep. of um, mass incarceration, the disparity in incarceration, uh, because we don't see the equal access to justice or, or not just the equal access to justice, but the equal application Yep. of law enforcement mm -hmm. for everybody. Yep. You know, when you have a situation where, you know, there's more black people arrested for drug offenses than than white folks, that's a problem. That's you just exactly. hit right on the head and say it's yep. an issue exactly. that needs to be fixed. Exactly. You know, and and yes, you know, you have some progressive prosecutors that are on that mission to undo uh and, you know, vacate let's say marijuana sentencings that uh, occurred uh, and you have progressive uh, politicians that will, will work on those, those legislative issues that need to be addressed. But um, the pivot program is there to, because people's lives are impacted. Uh, you, you know, we, we, I could not tell you how uh, important it is, uh, especially in the employment arena uh, these programs are when these people have difficulty getting jobs and moving back into society. 
because everybody doesn't want to hire them. Just be truthful about the thing. You and know, that's where the grant and and sorry to interrupt, but that's yeah. where the grant and these conversations are creating more awareness to what you're sharing right now. Because one of the things I talk about is everyone says that they're a bridge builder or everyone wants to be a bridge builder and people build their side of the bridge. No one wants to address the big hole and the gap in the middle. And that's the issues around when we talk about the 13th Amendment or how they avoided all these loopholes. When we talk about black codes, when we talk about our our African-Americans, black and brown siblings who are in prison more than any other race. When we talk about uh, not being able to get housing or health care, all that we're talking about is the hole that's in the middle of the bridge. No one wants to walk over or drive over a bridge that has a hole in the middle of it. And so this conversation is repairing the actual bridge. This conversation is making sure that it's a solid, strong bridge that we can cross over and move forward. And so reparations is it is beneficial for all of us as a country, mm-hmm. not just, mm-hmm. as I said, an individual, but all of us can move forward when we start having these conversations and start addressing the issues that have been going on for far too long in our country. So now, if it doesn't happen now, when? So this is our opportunity to move forward. This is our opportunity for all of us to sit down as, as, as siblings and really have this deep, hard conversation so that we can move forward as people and we can move forward as a country. You know, um, there has been also a lot of discussion about uh, the efforts of the Innocence Project and the Equal Justice Initiative, uh, because they literally take people who are wrongly convicted, work on their cases and get them released from prison. Yeah. And then they've got to come back into the society. And in, in the state of Maryland, there were about uh, seven people that were wrongly convicted. And the state was moving all slow about their money. Mm-hmm. And you shouldn't be funny about their money. You really shouldn't. <laughs> Amen. You know, so it's it's um, you know, it it just you know, you like well, how much the you sat there and the jury figured out in two days that Gene Carroll for defamation was worth eighty three mil. Mm-hmm. Yep. Now, she was just the fame. She wasn't in prison <laughs> for 20, 30, 40 years. Yeah. You think their lives would be worth more than that? Yeah. If you if you understand, if you're putting this kind of in perspective here. Yeah. But that's, um, uh, you know, that again uh, points to more work that needs to be done. There needs to be more laws that can 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 um, uh, reimburse and compensate people for wrongful convictions. And there should not be uh, any, um, uh, you know, discrimination by employers. Uh, in hiring these folks. Yep, you're right about and, that. And, and it exists. Yep. So that's that again rem- remains a, a concern, an ongoing concern. Oh. But, yep. you know, any other areas uh, of uh, reparations we haven't s- s- talked about? Because I know our, you know, our, um, uh, uh, in Maryland, our uh, committees are being formed. Commissions are being formed. Uh, to explore this this important topic. Yeah, you're right. There are a lot of uh, conversations uh, that are starting to happen in our state. And uh, 
And as I said earlier, even in the Episcopal Church outside of Maryland, there are other dioceses that are starting to to have the conversation as well. And I think it's a good start. And I'm going to keep saying that start because uh, we still have ways to go. And the question that I have been asking uh, people who are struggling with having this conversation, as I said, if something is broken, should we fix it? Mm-hmm. Simple as that. And most people are like, yeah, well, if something in my house that is broken, we need to fix it. Well, this is something that's been broken in our house, in our country for a long time. And so right. it's time to fix it. So the conversations are addressing that everyone's kind of uh, calling around to see who can come and fix it right now. That's what we're looking for right now. We're looking for the plumbers. We're looking for the uh, the con- uh Construction work is the different people to fix this bridge. And so the conversation part is important because we're starting to have it right now. Uh, but we still have ways to go to, to make sure this happened. Uh, I'm going to be, now that I'm the canon for mission in the Diocese of Maryland, and as I said, it's been three weeks that I started, my role now is to uh, figure out what other places are having these conversations. You know, mm-hmm. as director at St. Philip's, I didn't have the opportunity to really. Uh, expand, explore. But now I have the free range where I can go out and make sure that people are having these conversations and keep it in their hearts, minds, and souls to make sure that we are uh, addressing reparations uh, in our state, in our country, and in our world. Excellent, excellent, excellent. I must invite you back again, Reverend. You have been such a delight to have on our podcast, Being Well-Informed. Thank you so much for being uh, a part of this uh, presentation today. You served us well. Thank you.